0: All right, Kevin, welcome to the Evidently Legal Podcast. It's a pleasure to speak with you today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: No, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think today we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know, your background and the type of work that you do uh, and the type of clients that you work with. And then we'd love to hear from you about, you know, running your own firm, what that process was like launching into your own firm, what it's like now as somebody in the trenches uh, building out their own firm. Uh, but I'd love to start with maybe telling folks a little bit about, you know, you, where you're from, your background, how you got into the practice of law.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I, I guess I'll start where I grew up. I was born on a naval base. Um, my mother and my father were both in the Navy and, um, you know, we kind of traveled around. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, and then we moved up to Virginia and, um After that, you know, we settled down in Charlotte, North Carolina, once most of my parents were were out of the Navy. And I, you know, I grew up mostly with my dad, my mother. uh, She ended up settling down in Florida, and uh, I would go visit her during the summer times. And she actually became a lawyer herself after she left the military. So, you know, during the summer times, part of my summer job duties were to, you know do some intern work in their office filing copies faxing things um grabbing coffees grabbing lunch you know those those sort of typical intern jobs and uh from there i kind of fell in love with the law and realized that you know you could have a, a major impact on people's lives by doing this type of work and um that, that's exactly what i wanted to do once i once i left school as well
0: yeah You know, it's funny. I I read on on your website that I think one of the things that you had mentioned was I think you you told your parents the two things you wouldn't do would be (laughs) join the military or become a lawyer. And I think you did both. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little (laughs) bit about that that journey and your time in the military and how you, you turned to the law after.
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I think being anybody being a defiant child that we usually are, we're of you course. Know, trying to make, make our parents upset about <laughs> the things that we say because they make us upset so many times. So it's like a little payback uh, punch in the gut for them when you tell them you don't want to do what they did. Yep. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I, yeah, I think that at first I really wanted to uh, be a computer scientist growing up, honestly. I don't know why that was so big on me. I don't have that in my family or um, you know, my parents weren't really involved in computers, but I just really enjoyed, you know, uh, the computer science class that I had in high school. Um, I ended up taking the AP courses and everything. I really thought that's what I was going to do. And um, I don't know. I think as I got older, I realized I had more of a passion for helping people in some way and, and being involved with people in some way and not just being involved with the objects, but actually being in the the people business. And uh, that's where I knew that I thrived at had probably started in sports because I, I, I feel like when I played sports growing up, I was always like a team captain or I was some type of leader on the sports team. And, you know, I think that was a testament to my, my qualities that I have dealing with people. And I knew that was a strong point in me. And, um, you know, just being able to see the impact that, you know, my mother had that, that, that initial um, exposure that she gave me to this industry I think that kind of took me a long ways, and at first, yeah, I would tell them I didn't want to go in the military. I, I really didn't. I think you know there's a different a different reason why I went into the military that we can talk about later. But um, and I definitely I definitely didn't want to practice law because I just wanted to do something else than what I was seeing. But you know, mothers always know best, and uh, <laughs> it it happened to turn out that I did both, and I'm very happy that my path went this way.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's so true, right? It's the, you know, I want to do the exact exact opposite of what I'm told to do at, at that age. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, you you're, you're, talking in the military. I know you spent some time in, in the JAG Corps. Um, what, what, what type of work did you do in, in the military? Was it always JAG yeah. or other things as well? So
1: it, you know, my, my whole life has been military pretty much. Like I said, I was born on a naval base. Um, and my parents were military. My grandparents were military. Um, you know, I, I, I have some pretty impressive military backgrounds in my family um, as far as what, they, what they've what they done and just being able, wanted to serve their country and having that desire to serve. But, um, you know, I, I played football in high school, never thought, like I said, never thought I was going to go in the military, uh, but I knew I wanted to play football in college and I wanted to play on a larger scale. And I wasn't getting recruited at the level I wanted to. Um, I was getting recruited for a lot of smaller schools and a lot of schools wanted me for track. But um the Naval Academy came across and recruited me in football and they, out of all the schools, they were offering me scholarships. They, they played the toughest schedules with the best teams and they were, they were on TV quite a bit. Um, so I chose to go to the Naval Academy and obviously once you get there, it's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful place. You learn about the history there. Um, you learn about, you know, the, the opportunities that you have coming out of there. Um, and it's just a place that you fall in love with once you step on campus. So I went to the Naval Academy for college, and then um, after that, during the Naval Academy—well, let's say during the Naval Academy—I started taking some legal classes. So naval law, criminal law, um, and that's when it really grew. Like, okay, I knew, I wasn't good. And when you go to the Naval Academy, you have to get a bachelor's of science in anything you do. So if you're an English major, you got to get a bachelor's of science in English. So um, I wasn't good at any of the bachelor of science classes, uh, making average grades, but the legal classes I was making A's in. And I said, okay, this is assigned to me. And yeah. uh, they have a, you know, at first you have to, when you graduate from the Naval Academy, you have to go into what they call a um, unrestricted line service. And I went into to surface warfare officer, where I served as an officer on a ship for the first three years. But um, they had, and I did that in Bahrain and San Diego. But they have a program where they accept four, act, four to six active duty officers a year to get into a program where they will pay you to go to law school as long as you give them back a certain number of years as a Navy JAG. And um, I applied to the program, and that's how my career got started as a, as a JAG. Wow.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like you said, it's football drew you back to the military and then you've kind of launched off from there. Um, what, what, what position did you play in football? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, I was a, so in high school, I was a quarterback, thought I was going to go play quarterback in college. Um, when I showed up, they, they told me I could play, I can go with the quarterbacks, the receivers are the, are the cornerbacks. And uh, the quarterbacks had about a line of 10 people that got recruited so I was like, hey, there's only one person that's going to play, and I'm only about 170 pounds." So uh, <laughs> they run the ball; I'm not going to, I'm not going to last. And then, you know, receiver they run the ball at Navy, so I knew I was going to catch the ball much there. Uh, so I thought my best chance of getting on the field early and actually getting some playing time was at cornerback, and it actually worked out in my favor. So
0: yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. Are you are you, a, are you yeah. a Panthers fan these days, or what's uh, what's your NFL team?
1: Well, I'm diehard a Panthers fan. I grew up in Charlotte. I don't think there's yeah. any other way. You know, that's, that's the team I grew up knowing. I know a lot of people in, in Charlotte The Panthers came here in the later, in the early, well, mid nineties. And, uh, a lot of people who are older than me that grew up in Charlotte may be like Redskins fans or, you know, Atlanta Falcons fans, cause those are all teams closest. But since I've been in Charlotte, the Panthers have always existed and, uh, we're still waiting on that Super Bowl, but you know, I,
0: <laughs> it's going to
1: come one day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I'm a Giants fan. So we've managed a couple of Super Bowls, but we've been uh, in in rough shape the last couple of years. Getting better, though. Always optimistic with the Giants. Um, (laughs) So look, so, uh, you know, so it sounds like you got it. You know, you did your your time as a surface warfare officer, got into what was, you know, it sounds like a difficult program to actually move from that into the JAG Corps. Only four to six people get accepted each year, uh, which is amazing. Tell us about some of the work you did as a a JAG of the Navy.
1: Yeah, so um I knew coming out of law school I wanted to be in the courtroom. I didn't want to be behind a desk just, you know, doing paperwork. I wanted to, you know, be active in the community. I wanted to be in the courtroom. I wanted to be able to litigate. So the jobs that I took were focused towards that. Um uh, I, I started off as a defense counsel in the in the military where I was representing sailors and court martials um and administrative. Uh, procedures where maybe they were getting separated from the military and they needed somebody to defend them at at an administrative procedure. Uh, So that's what I did starting off. After that, I went to become an appellate counsel. So, you know, which was, I tell everybody, one of the toughest things, one of the toughest jobs I've had just because of the amount of writing, reading, and research that you do, that's literally all you do. Um, And, uh, you know, I like to tell everybody that's new to the Legal game, when you say litigation, it's just not standing up in court. And (laughs) it's mostly (laughs) writing, researching, and responding to to motions, and then obviously a big part of discovery. But in a in appellate, I really got to learn how to write um, and research, and that has benefited me greatly. I think moving further in my career, so I did that. I went, I switched from the defense side to the government side, and was actually um trying to uphold convictions from court marshals at the appellate level. And then my last job in the military was, um, which is a pretty cool go- job. I was the deputy director for the national security litigation division of the Navy. So um, with that, we you know we were basically the Navy's um, liaison between all of the intelligence agencies in uh, in the country and um, between our prosecutors. So uh, whenever they had a national security case, which in- involves things like espionage and um, you know. Um, uh mishandling of classified information things like that we would be the people that would get the call so that was my last job it was a pretty cool job to end on and then um you know come and do my own thing
0: so yeah no i mean it sounds like a a, a very career uh as a jag and in and, and a one that i think you know it sounds like you developed a lot of different skills during that time period right both in the courtroom both in writing and research uh, you know, and dealing with some some highly sensitive, um, you know, types of cases. You know, if you could sort of kind of characterize your time in the JAG, you know, what, what do you think was one of the, the best things you learned that's helping you today as a lawyer from your time uh, in the JAG? Uh, so I
1: think it's, I have to, it's a tie between two things. One is um, the client communication, like learning how to speak with clients, learning how to manage expectations with clients. Um, you know, there's a whole there, – being a lawyer is more than just understanding the law and being able to argue it. but you're dealing with, most of the time, you're dealing with people, li- people's lives um, and, you know, very significant circumstances that could affect their lives. And um, you have to learn how to manage those with those people. And that's a great thing about the JAG Corps. You get experience from day one in the JAG Corps of handling these clients on your own. Um, you're, you're just throwing a caseload and they say, hey, go after it, especially as a defense counsel. Um, these these people sign up to serve their, I mean, it's just, if you think about it this way, these people sign up to serve their country voluntarily. And then, you know, these people going to court martial and getting separated from the military. That same organization that they signed up to serve is now prosecuting or trying to get rid of them. Um, so we, it, it calls for some, some very hard and tough times and very hard and tough conversations. So I think that's the first thing, just being able to understand how to manage a client. And when I say a client, it you know, your client can be anybody, an individual, a corporation, um, it, anybody, but just h- how to manage that, that client. The second thing is I discussed it before is the, the reading and writing part of it. Um, the appellate work really gave me an opportunity to grow in that aspect where I know a lot of my friends and colleagues, um they get into the nitty gritty of litigating whatever field they're in, but they don't get that time to really perfect the craft. And I, I want to say perfect because I definitely am not a perfect that were legal legal writing and research, but you don't get the time to grow that craft. And I got almost a year and a half, two years to, to grow that craft. And now I feel comfortable in my abilities to read it and, and write, um, about any topic that comes my way.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you know, you, you say in the JAG Corps, right, how they kind of, you're put right in the fire almost, you know, dealing with folks who, probably one of the biggest things in their lives at that point, right? Like you said, they signed up to serve in the military. Now they're facing being potentially kicked out of it, you know, and having to kind of navigate that as, as a, a new attorney who is both, you know, learning the law at the same time, but also learning, you know, how to deal with people, you know, how, how much of a learning curve was that to kind of go through that process?
1: Yeah. Um, it's big. Every day you're learning. Uh, you think about it, you, you, you can be in the office. They, they Week two in the office, you may have a sailor or a service member coming in saying that they've been charged with sexual assault or they've been charged with, um, you know, they've been charged with um, missing or going UA or they've been charged with um, drug abuse, meaning that they've taken some type of drug and they had a positive urinalysis. And, you know, and, and obviously sometimes these things happen and they, they need, that's the reason we have prosecutors there to hold people accountable for these things. But there are other times when um, there are mistakes that happen and, um, you know, you, you're thrown in the fire because you don't have a lot of support. Whereas somewhere else, you may be the person that has to go research an issue or and bring it back to the lead attorney, senior attorney or partner. But in the JAG Court, um, you're the person that is responsible for that whole case, uh, which could ultimately put land somebody behind bars. Uh, or ultimately send them home with a discharge that will affect them for the rest of their life. Um, the other part of be about being a jag is if you don't want to do litigation, you get you can go into areas that where you're advising. We're talking about general, I mean generals and admirals um, with stars on there. These are these are equivalent to executives at corporations. Um, the your C-suite executives, you could be advising them from the moment you come into Jagcor, And that, I mean, to have that experience of advising an, an expert at that level um, from from day one of entering into the JAG Corps, I don't think you can beat that. And, and I don't know, I, I can't name a place where you would get that anywhere else right now.
0: Yeah, it's so true, right? I mean, it, all the skills that you need to develop as, as an attorney who's gonna you know, take control of a case so hard to get that experience early early on in your career and it sounds like you were able to do that which is amazing you know i'd love i'd love to hear about you know your journey uh you know after the jag Corps, right i mean what 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 did you kind of work on how did you move forward after the jag Corps into you know where you are today running your own firm yeah, um,
1: and if I, you know, I'm, I have a lot to talk about this subject because I, this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, obviously, I told you guys, my mom was a lawyer, but she also had her, she had her own firm in the in the town and city that she grew up in, which was Sanford, Florida. And, um, you know, I just being able to see her go back to her community and do the things that she's been able to do kind of always inspired me to do that one day as well. So coming back home to Charlotte, was something I knew I always wanted to do and open my own firm, it was just a matter of when. And, um, you know, I I made that decision with my wife probably two years ago. I started my firm about four months ago, but I made that decision maybe, nah, maybe a year and a half ago that this, we were gonna do this. And um, from then on, it was planning. Um, like, how am I gonna do this? You know, how am I gonna set myself up to make this transition? And, uh, that were the plan in it, it started from reading books to watching videos, to missing um, a podcast like we're doing right now, <laughs> um, you know, uh, writing things. I had like a, I think I had a journal and I don't have it in here, but I wish I could show it to you, but I have a journal of things that I wrote from for like a year of how I wanted my firm to, how I wanted the culture to be in my firm to how I wanted to, the systems to work to how I wanted it to grow over time. Like I just wrote all these things down. Like, and I knew it wasn't gonna happen, you know, in year one or year two or probably even year three, but I just said in order for me to continue to keep my eye on the prize, which is opening my firm at home, I knew every day or every time I had a chance, I needed to go back and write stuff down. And then initially, and then right before I actually got out of the military, I started shadowing at my mom's firm. So. Um, and she would let me, um, look at, look at some cases and work some things here and there to try to understand the practice and understand what I was getting myself into and the business model and things like that. Um, and I also have a lot of mentors who, in, in the legal game who own firms and who are high up in bigger firms, who've been able to sit down and do video calls with me on the weekends, um, to discuss like my, my plans going forward and kind of gauge on what I was thinking and whether you know, my thinking was, was right or wrong. So, um, you know, it, it, it starting to get starting my firm four months ago was probably I want to say at least a year of planning.
0: Yeah, for me. And I, I mean, it, it sounds like you took an incredibly sort of thoughtful and methodical and, and measured approach to you know being in a position to to launch your own firm. Um, you know, I'd love to talk about the business side of it, but before we before we get to that, I'd love to hear a little bit about you know the types of clients that you're working with today in your firm
1: yeah so um i i follow up my mother's footsteps again she, she's a personal injury and civil rights attorney and uh, i that's what i'm doing as well personal injury and civil rights i i really don't market the civil rights side of it as much because i i do work with my mom actually at her firm it's, it's kind of like an up council her firm and we have a ton of civil rights stuff that we're doing down in florida right now but uh, the I, i'm mostly focusing on the personal injury part uh, here in Charlotte, where I'm doing auto accidents, uh, slip and falls, wrongful deaths, um, you know, and premises liability things are probably my main types of cases right now. Um, and I mean, my clientele are pretty much anybody in this surrounding area who who's injured by the negligence of other people or other organizations. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm four months in and uh, you know, I, I think I had an idea of what my clientele was going to look like four months in, but uh, in a way, that's, that's kind of changed now. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think you always prepare for some something to be one thing, and then, you know, when you start doing, when you start jumping into it, you realize that, all right, it's not necessarily going that way, but I, it's for, I think it's for the better anyway. But, you know, I had a plan, and it's changing a little bit, and, I, and the great thing about having a plan is that I've been able to adapt pretty easily uh, just because I knew that, you know, I, you know, if it didn't go the way I wanted it to, it would be a, an easy transition to kind of slide over to something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, start starting from a plan sort of makes it easier to adapt, right? As opposed to just kind of going in and just winging it. It's it's hard to kind of navigate through, you know, the, the waters there. Um, you know, your clients that, that you're working with today, what what are, what are they typically experiencing when they come in? I mean, you know, we, we talk with a lot of folks who work in, in injury law and other areas and, you know, typically it's, again, it's, it's, it's much broader than just a legal issue, right? They're coming in to you for help with obviously the legal side of things, but they, as a client are dealing with so much more than that, right? It's impacting yeah. their lives, their families, uh, the way they work, you know, what, what are some of those experiences that your clients are facing?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think when we're talking about injuries, you're talking about, like you said, not only just the legal damages that you're trying to recover for your client and the compensation, but you know, they're, they're going through a lot of emotional distress, a lot of mental anguish. Uh, they're, they're dealing with a lot of issues at home that um, are, were caused by the injury that they, they happen to be dealing with. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think I can think of two examples right now, of cases that um, I'm working on that kind of highlights this. The one is a, a case of um, a woman who was in a car accident. She was a passenger. Of a car accident that her husband was driving and the car flipped over um there there was a there was a hit and run accident it wasn't yeah it was a hit and run accident the car flipped over um during the hit and run accident the car that hit them obviously drove off but the the husband passed away from that accident and um you know the the, the woman is is still living the the, the spouse is still living but she is dealing with a lot of grief, grief right now. She's dealing with a lot of what's next. Um, she, she's talking with people who she doesn't necessarily know. So it's hard to really trust that they're going to do the right thing for her. And, um, you know, she's dealing with a huge transition in her life where she was being supported by someone. Um, and that person is now gone. So she doesn't really have a lot of support right now. And, um, uh, you know, when you're dealing with a client, you, especially a client in this situation, you have to, they almost become like a family member to you because, um, you're, you're seeing them go through this every day. And, um, you, you kind of have to show some empathy and not only just be there as a transactional lawyer just to say, Hey, I'm just dealing with this legal issue and I'm getting a paycheck at the end of the day, but, uh, you have to show some empathy to that client in their situation, um, or, or you, you may not get anything from uh from that client. Maybe they won't send anybody to you. Or maybe they go spread a bad word about you in the future. But um, one thing about this client is she went to the two biggest firms in Charlotte before she came to me. And well, I wouldn't say the biggest, but they are two of the bigger, probably top five, definitely. And they refused to take her husband's case um, because the police report showed that he was actually at fault from the accident. And... You know, I told her, look, I can't guarantee we can get anything, but I'll take the husband's case and we'll work with it. And um, all it took was, you know, phone call to the police officer who said that, you know, she did tell him that it was a hit and run accident, um, but he thought otherwise. And, um, you know, he, he didn't put that into the report. So we proved that that should have been in the report. And we also showed that she would have testified to the hit and run and that there was no other witnesses so she was the only witness that would have been able to get on the stand and testify that would have had what happened in this um in this accident and um the insurance company eventually came over and tended the policy but you know it just took a little extra work and a little empathy on our behalf to understand the situation she was going through and uh what you know try to understand what actually happened that night and dig a little deeper the other cases I'm, i wanted to talk about that i'm doing right now is that uh, many people probably seen them are like the of june Justice Act cases. And I didn't even plan on getting involved with these cases. But uh, because of my military background and coming back to Charlotte, um, I partnered with a few veteran groups who, you know, they wanted me to, they wanted someone with a military background who understood what it was like to serve their country and expect for the country to take care of them to actually represent them in these cases. And through having intakes and, and meetings with these clients, you see some of the, um, you see some of the tragic circumstances that they are going through. I mean, family members have died, um, babies have died. Um, there have been infertility issues where people have not been able to grow families. Um, there have been cancers that have affected people over time. There, have, you know, there There's just so many situations where you get one person that you think is injured, but then you, you see like the whole family has been affected in some way. And as our job, I, you know, our job is not only as lawyers to represent them in the legal case, but also to kind of guide them through the process and make sure that you know they understand um, that they have somebody who who can take care of them through this process as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, how important has that been to you over your you know your career? Right, kind of. It- developing that trust with your clients, right? I think it's easy as, as a lawyer to kind of just get into the mindset, oh, we've got a, uh, you know, a, a claim that's been made, here are your chances uh, of recovering. Here's what I can do for you as a lawyer. But particularly in your area of law, right, where you are dealing with people who are going through traumatic, you know, life-changing circumstances, you know, how important to you as, as both a person and as an attorney, has it been to kind of develop that trust early on with your clients?
1: No, it's super important, especially starting off my firm. Um, I know you know this is something I think about all the time. I'm not gonna be able to be hands-on with every client as I grow probably. And that's just that's just the nature of the game. Uh I'm eventually gonna have to pass over some of this work to other people and hopefully I I can do that moving forward. But right now, starting off, that the trust is the, the big thing that I'm putting out there in the community. Um, you know, you in order in order to grow my firm. You know, I'm trying to separate myself as someone that you can come into, you can have a personal relationship with, you can trust, and that's actually going to have empathy towards your situation. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of lawyers out there trying to get the same clients, right? And um, as somebody who's new in the field, I think that the the relationship that you build, your 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 personal touch that you put on your services, can separate you from the person who has. You know, a million dollar marketing budget. So that's kind of what I, I harp on now, and you know, part of that is making sure that I'm always available for my clients, even when I'm tired. If I get a call in, I try to give them a call back, to, you know, right away, at least within 24 hours. Sometimes even with me, I try to do it within 12 hours. Um, at this at this point in the game, but um, you know, th- and then you also I, there have been times where I've given out my personal cell phone number right now. Like I give that out quite a bit, just because I want them to see that like I. I'm truly here for you. So if you have anything, here's my personal cell phone number. Now, again, I won't probably do that in three or four years from now, but you know, right now that's how I'm separating myself from the pack.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's, it, it's, it's amazing for sort of the way you're, you know approaching things and, and really kind of putting that, that client empathy, you know, front and center really uh, in addition to doing your legal work, you know, obviously that you know, there's some, you know, significant, you know, rewards, I would imagine personally, and, and both for your clients in working in this area of law, but it probably comes with challenges as well, uh, being an attorney, doing the type of work that you do. What are some of the, the challenges um, that you've you know faced and, and, and overcome on the legal side of, of being a personal injury attorney?
1: Yeah, um, challenges. One I think that everyone deals with is how to bring in clients. Where are, your, where are your clients going to come from? How do you even get clients? I mean, it's one thing to open up a firm, but then you start realizing, okay, I'm, the firm is open, but I need some business. Um, that's that's always a challenge. And, you know, when we starting off, we, we're not talking about having a whole bunch of money, unless you're just one of those lucky people who inherited a trust and can just throw, throw right. a bunch of money at your business <laughs> right away. Like you have to plan that you don't have much right away. So um, you're, you're you're always trying to find innovative ways to get clients. So that's a huge challenge. Um, the other challenge is how do I balance the legal work with the business side of it and the administrative side of it? Uh, I think that I always put them in three buckets. You have the business, you have the admin, and then you have the actual substantive legal work that you have to get done. So how do you get all, all of those things done? Um, and then the, one of the other challenges, I, you know, I think that everybody deals with is finances. Um, how, how do I budget? How do I make sure that I don't go beyond what I can afford to spend? Um, and how do I try to make sure that, you know, I'm growing at an appropriate rate or appropriate pace? So those, those things are all challenges that I think I've, I've had to deal with. And I could probably name a couple more, but I think those are the biggest ones.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it's kind of a, I think a great jumping off point into, the, as you said, the the business side of running a law firm, right? You know, you're a the law is a profession, right? You have the the legal work that you do, but particularly when you're running your own firm, you know, you're also an entrepreneur and a in a business owner. Um, you know, y- you seem like you took a very methodical approach to getting to that point. I think there's a lot of people who you know, may want to start their own firm, but aren't quite sure either how to do it or whether they're ready to do it, you know, can you talk a little bit more about some of the the planning that you did leading up to that point where you said, okay, now is the time I'm going to, I'm going to jump. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my own firm. Yeah.
1: Um, so number one, I started putting away money to, you know, early on, probably, like I said, a year ago, year and a half, ago, I started putting away money in order to act as a seed for my business. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't one of those guys who wanted to take out a bunch of loans to start my business or anything like that. I just started setting away money. Uh, That's number one. And then, you know, I I think I had a number in my head and it didn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a big number. It just needs to be a number. So you can start off with money in that business account. And then number two is just opening up that business account um, and and getting ready to to start the firm and getting it incorporated and all of that. But I think the biggest thing that I've won't say biggest, but one of the bigger investments that I made, was hiring a marketing agency to um, help me brand myself um, and brand my firm and build my website. And, you know, we do monthly marketing meetings about what can I do next in order to get myself out there. Um, you know, I, whether, it's, whether it's putting certain things on the website, whether it's um, discussing whether we need to get more into pay-per-click or, um, you know, um, our Google ads or, you know, what can I do with social media advertising, uh, whether it's Facebook ad, meta ads now. And, and, um, you know, recently we we just put up, well, we're putting up two billboards here in Charlotte on the 23rd um, to to see how those work out. And, um, you know, that that was probably one of the bigger investments I've made, but I'm very, very happy that I made that investment. Um, It took a lot of stress off of me as far, you know, as far as doing the marketing side of things. Um, but it also gave me experts who knew, to, who knew how to market, who could, um, who could help me do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when you start your fur, I mean, you mentioned it early on, right? Sort of getting, you know, getting new clients in the door is always sort of the, the, the thing that, you know, people think about and is, is a hard thing to do early on. You know, how, how did you get your first couple of clients? How do you get your, your clients today? I mean, I'd love if you could kind of share with folks how, you know, how you went about doing that early on.
1: Yeah. um, So first clients. um, (laughs) I think the woman I told you about, actually, who was in that car accident, she was one of my first, I want to say one of my first three clients. Um, And it's crazy that my first couple of weeks here back in Charlotte was going to car chiro- I'm just literally walking into chiropractors offices with donuts and stuff and like cards and material and just like they're looking at me like what the heck are you doing here right now? I'm just like, well I just started a personal injury law firm. You know, I just want to introduce myself and um I had probably walked into several chiropractor's offices just out of the blue with no notice. Um I've walked into I knew that a lot of injured people go to go to funeral homes. I walked into funeral homes and just told them that hey you know, I'm here to help if, you, if somebody ever needs anything. And um, built a partnership with one of the funeral homes um, with, um, um, I'm drawing a blank right now, chiropractors. Oh, and, and church. So community, we're talking about personal injury attorneys. We're, we're talking about you being in the community because yeah. people who are injured every day are just normal community community type people. So where do they go? A lot of these people go to churches um and i have you know i grew up in the charlotte area There's a lot i know a lot of pastors and um i was a, I very hev- heavily involved in church when i was younger so i just you know started visiting churches letting them know that you know, i'm here to help if, if anybody needs anything and uh and and, uh, and this isn't just to sell myself but just to make sure that people know that i'm an asset in the community um yep. and and that i'm here and one day i got a call from one of the people at the funeral home that said hey i have somebody who who wants to, she can't find an attorney. Um, she wants to, she wants to talk to somebody who may be able to help her. Can you come down and and speak with her? And and I went down there and spoke with her. And, um, I did, I've done good work for her. And, you know, it's a great story because she went to the two bigger firms and they didn't take the case. And I took the case and, and actually got, got her paid on the case. And now she's like telling her people at church and stuff like, Hey, if you got an issue, you need to go to this guy, you know, and she's telling her reverend and her pastor and, um, that i think that's the that's one of the easiest ways without spending money that people can bring in business it's just going out visiting people visiting people even if you're visiting them with no notice and letting them know that, that you're an option i mean even with chiropractors i've gotten clients from chiropractors just by walking into their office and saying hey i'm an option they say hey will you take this case for me and it, it may not come immediately but four weeks five weeks down the line they're like hey can you take this case for me and um i say sure and we'll we'll go out to lunch and, and talk about it and build a relationship so relationships are obviously in this business and many probably any business relation building relationships are key if you're not working on building the relationships I don't think a business can can grow the way you want it to
0: yeah i mean I, I love that right i mean there's this sort of way of thinking i guess in in entrepreneurship and technology right like do things that that don't scale right go go to where people are have those one-on-one conversations and I, I love hearing about how you got started right? you literally you just wa- you walked into some <laughs> chiropractors offices you, you know you made sure people in your community knew you were there uh, and I love that uh, you know is that something you learned somewhere or is that something that kind of intuitively came to you that yeah. look you're, you're a member of your community these are people in your community and you want to go introduce yourself and start that relationship
1: well, one of it is like I have mentors, like I said, who've done this, this for a while. So they've kind of told me like, you know, go, go out here and visit people. Go out here and see people. But the second thing is, you know, you get here and you open up a firm and you can't just sit at your desk and twiddle your thumbs right there if you don't have any cases. It's like, okay, my first couple of weeks I'm sitting there like, all right, what do I need? I can't sit at my desk because that's not going to bring cases in. Let me just go meet people. That's, my, that's literally what my work was for the first three weeks, just meeting people. Um, that was work for me. And you know, I would I would go everywhere. Um, even if uh, I would go to a tow truck place and say, "Hey, you know, if anybody needs anything after an accident, you can give them my car." Um, but you know, that was the first three weeks, and then slowly you start seeing. And here's another thing: attorney attorney referrals too. Building relationships with other attorneys and other and other practice areas. Like I I built a relationship with an estate's attorney here. Um, I have a relationship with a business attorney here. You build relationships with those attorneys. A lot of times they'll push cases to you. But ultimately after those, you know, I didn't have to do that long. I think after three or three or four weeks, you start seeing like a case here, a case there. And then you may get a week where you have three cases here coming in. And, um, you know, they slowly, they slowly start trickling in and you have to kind of, then you have to balance like, all right, I'm not just going to be out here marketing every day. I got to do the work. Now, Because if you just sit there and get cases and don't do the work, then obviously cases aren't going to keep coming to you. You have to show people that you can actually do the work. And I think that's where I'm at now, where I'm not doing too much like out there going around and visiting people walking in with donuts anymore. But I'm showing people the cases I have, I'm doing the work on them so that those people eventually will say, yeah, he did this for me. I think you should go to him, too. And hopefully it just grows organically like that. So. but obviously, then I, you got the money on the back end. You have you got to pay for some marketing stuff, too, once you get the money in as well, which is another thing I would talk about, like how to invest in your business if you want to go there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Right. I mean, it's 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 the interesting thing about the, the legal industry and legal work, right, is it touches so many different areas of uh, and it's is related to so many different other areas of somebody's life. Right. Like you said, you know, ch- chiropractors, funeral homes, other places you know, those are places where somebody who's injured, you know, may may have a connection there. Same thing with like estate planning and financial planners or, you know, people dealing with, you know, family type issues, right? There's so many interconnections among the issues in people's lives that you can reach out to professionals in those industries to make those relationships. And it sounded like you did that from day one, which is amazing. But yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you've kind of now, it sounds like diversified the way in which you, you know, find new clients Who might be a good fit for your firm i know you're doing some of the stuff on the marketing side now
1: yeah um so and this is not to say i'm a savant at all i'm just speaking to someone who's like four months in who's out here trying to make this firm work and grow um you know i just i just know for me i came in with a plan in my first year and i I think i may have read this in a book somewhere but in my first year i wasn't going to take anything home for myself that was my plan and now you know you know i made that plan and said this is how it's going to work So even the cases that you know i I settle now like um i've heard attorneys on podcasts you know attorneys with big firms who um started off say you know i never paid myself for this amount of time or i didn't even pay myself the first couple of years i'm like how does that even work but um it's it's not as though they're not making money they're making money but they're putting that money when i found out they're putting that money back into the business so that you can expand you know your marketing budget your advertising budget um Expand your staff and things like that, and that's kind of the the route that I'm taking right now is focusing on expansion rather than how much money I can put in my pocket at the end of the day. Um, because I, at the end of the day, I want to give the best possible service to my clients that I can, and I know I can't do that just on on my own. Um, I know I can't do that just with you know social media marketing. I know I can't do that with just me doing running the books myself. I eventually, I need to bring a team in who can help me do that, and um, and I also need to bring a clientele who can help can keep the business running. And that, that goes back to the advertising, and marketing. That the more you know, the more you can push money into that stuff, and smart and smart choices. Then I think um, the better off you are. So that's kind of my philosophy right now, and that's what I'm doing. I guess we can talk about it a couple of years from now and see how it works.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd love to have a follow up, you know, a couple of years down the road and sort of the, you know, the before and after effect would be amazing. We should we should plan for that. You know, how, how do you think about sort of those investments, right? I mean, have you found things that work on, on sort of the marketing side? Uh, have you found things that work better for you versus other types of, of marketing, right? I mean, I think folks a lot of times, you know, are, maybe aren't quite sure about how to invest that money the right way in things like marketing.
1: Yeah, it, for me, it's just kind of plug and play right now, just seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. Um, you know, I played around. Uh, I'll say this. I had a mentor once told me, like, he's like, being a, being a lawyer running a business is kind of like being a venture capitalist, right? Like, you, you only have to be right 70%, 60% of the time, and <laughs> you're, you're good. So I just – the reason I bring that up is because you, there will going to be times where you put money in things and it's just not going to work. And, um, you know, you have to – I think that's part of – just the process, um, you know, sometimes it's not going to work and then you pivot, but you do have to give it enough time to work too. And I think a lot of people, um, I've seen a lot of people myself go into it and do one thing and then they automatically say after two months, like, ah, I'm not getting any clients from this, let me shut it down. Uh, it's just, that's just not how it works. Like you have to, you have to let it sit for some time and, um, and see if it works. But I think that everything that I've done, um, I think the only thing that i I think I could have done a little better with probably Facebook ads so far. I may have spent a little too much money and probably didn't. And I'll say this was my mistake. I didn't talk to anyone beforehand about like how to make it work. Um, I just kind of did that on my own. And, um, you know, it didn't work out that, well, I would say it didn't work out well, but the first two months I put money into it just to get exposure. Um, and it may have given me exposure, but I didn't get any like converted clients from it. Um, and I, I'm still doing it a little bit now, but I think, um, you know, again, I'm only four months in. One of the things we did with my content on my website, my marketing team has really beefed up the content. And then last month was the first time I actually got a, a converted lead from, from that. And that's like a really good feeling when you finally get that first conversion. And that, you know, that's three months in. But, you you know, I didn't see anything the first two months, which I'm saying is like sometimes you don't see it until three or four months. You yeah. just have to be patient with it. And then I'm going into I'm I'm about to go into billboards now. And, um see how, see how that works out. But, you know, um, I, I, mean, I, I put myself in a year of commitment with that because I know that I, you can't just put them up and then three months later say, nah, I'm going to take them down. Uh, if you want to see some success, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be able, you have to be willing to put some money into it and let it sit for a little bit. Otherwise you're never really going to have any, any true numbers to to gauge how successful that, that venture is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, how do you how do you think and approach, you know, processes off the back end of that, right? Where, you, you know, you've got a couple of things that are working for you. You've made relationships in the community. You're doing some marketing. You know, as someone who was very methodical in opening up their firm, you know, what kind of, did you think about some of the processes uh, on the back end of that in terms of, you know, h- how you, you know, vet, you know, for uh, new leads for your ideal clients, you know, how you bring them into the firm, how you bring them along the the line into becoming a client of yours.
1: Yeah, that's one of the, I think that goes back to like building the trust and relationship again, I knew that from day one, like, you know, there are plenty of people competing out here for these clients. So like, if you don't pick up the phone, they're just going to call the next firm and the next firm is probably going to pick up the phone. So I have, you know, my phone is on 24 hours a day right now. And if somebody calls, I'm picking the phone up. Um, And, you know, I have a, I have a good case management system that I use where you know, I can do the intake myself, or if I don't have time to do the intake, I can at least pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm gonna mail you an intake form uh, or email you an intake form that you can do electronically. Um, I've also set it up to where you know my contracts, when I go into an agreement with a client, you know, those are pretty simple for me to, to send off now. Um, the, the case management system is key for me. That, that helps with a lot of organization um, and that kind of helps my, my systems and my processes. The other thing I did I have I have a part time paralegal that works with me right now, and we um, we have kind of got into a battle rhythm of when we get a new lead, like all right, you're responsible for these things, and then I'm going to take care of these things. So we kind of know, like all right, new client comes in, you're going to send these letters off, and then if, if they, yeah, I'm going to send these letters off, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and you know, now we we're in a rhythm with that with with new clients so but i think that system takes a while to develop though even if you haven't written out initially um it, it takes a while to get used to and to make sure that it's um you know it's working it
0: smoothly yeah yeah so you know look I, obviously you know, you're four months in right you've been working on processes you, you've got some relationships you've developed in the industry you're diversifying the way you know, you, uh, acquire new clients. You know, what, what so far, uh, has been the most rewarding thing for you of running your, your own firm? Uh, <laughs>
1: most rewarding thing. That's, uh, it's a couple of things because you have a lot of days in when you're like, Oh man, this day didn't go the way I wanted to. Or, sure. And, out, and there's a lot of doubt days too. Like, did I really make the right decision? Like it's just, uh, <laughs> you always get like that doubt sometimes, but, um, uh, you know, there, you know, it's always that one win that you get throughout the week that you're like, oh, things are going well. But um, one of the biggest wins that I think I have is probably when I get more clientele who sign up with me, who say, look, I want you to be my lawyer. Because I think about it like this way, they could have went to all these other firms out there who've been around for years who probably have a lot more money to spend on marketing and a lot more money to to, have, to spend on systems and, they probably have a lot more staff and attorneys. And then these clients came to me and after speaking with me, decided to uh, retain me as their lawyer. Uh, I think that that is probably most rewarding just because it makes me it, it helps me understand that I think I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing, especially when I'm talking to these clients and I'm persuasive to them that you know, I'm somebody that they can trust to represent them in their in their matter. But also it shows me that the firm is growing. and. Um, you know, obviously we, as a business owner, we want to make money, but we also need to, we also trying to grow our firms all the time, or grow our businesses. Yeah. And the fact that I'm continuing to get more clients, um, that shows me that, you know, my firm is going in the, in the right direction. So every time I sign a new client, up, I am, I sit there and say, Oh, that's a win today. i signed sign a new client. That, that's a win for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know? And you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, some of you had mentioned in in, in that answer right? obviously there, there's the legal side of things where you know you know the law you can always learn but you're you know you're rock solid on that you know the law you know how to handle the legal side of things the business side of things is as you say can be sort of a bit of a roller coaster right I know you said you know some of the days you have those doubt days where you're you're not quite you know yesterday didn't go great you're not quite sure how much of you know running your own firm is sort of winning that that mental battle that you know you are on the right path even if you had a couple of days or maybe a week or two in succession that didn't quite go as planned.
1: It's huge. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things you have to deal with because there are a lot of things that go wrong, um, especially when you're starting off a business. Uh, maybe you put money in something that didn't work out the way you thought it would. Uh, maybe you signed up a client and the case isn't as good as you thought the, the case was initially. Um, you know, maybe you couldn't get the result that you really wanted from the case that you thought was going to be a good result. Uh, you know there are so many things that are always happening. Maybe you made a mistake in your account one day. You woke you woke up and you're just like, oh man, I I made a mistake there. Or you made a mistake in a letter that you sent out. Um, and everything is just on you. And so it's going to be easy to identify those mistakes when they happen. And you know, nobody can point them to. It's just like, all right, I got I have to do better. Um, so like you're you're constantly battling. You know whether whether this is you're doing the right thing or whether you, you know, you're know you on the right track, you're constantly battling that every day. But I have like a little reminder, I'm looking at my whiteboard, I have a big whiteboard in front of me and I have a little reminder that uh, I always say to myself, like serve, fight, win. Those are the three words I have written up there. Like I'm here to serve my clients, I'm here to fight as hard as I can for them. And then at the end of the day, I'm here to win, um, not only their case, but to win for my firm and to make sure, I always tell my, I always tell my my mom and you know some of her staff and, and my paralegal now like we want to win the day every day I'm big on that When find something that you did today or find something to do today to win the day even if that's just doing one thing to move a case forward or you reached out to a client to update on the case find something to say that you had a win today and then you can you can take that on to the next day so I look up at that every day and day I'm saying all right what If if I can't leave the day without saying I have a win, then I need to do something before I, I get in that car and go home and, to make a win out of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that anchor is is such a great idea and is such a great way to approach it. And I think, you know, again, even if it's a small win on a day, maybe the rest of the day didn't go great, but you had one small win to move something forward. You know, it's, it's, it's compounding, right? It's it, over time, those start to add up to, you know, bigger and bigger wins over time. You know, I'd love to ask you. So, for folks who who are thinking about maybe jumping out to start their own firm and maybe want to get a head start on planning and and uh, around some of the challenges they may face, you know, if you could have, if you had a magic wand and you could solve like one big you know thing in your firm, you know, what what would that be for you today? Um, one big thing. I would
1: say medical records for my for my particular. Sure. particularly yeah. uh, i know this doesn't apply to everybody but um if i could solve the way the time that it took to get medical records or you know the processes you had to go through to get medical records on the cost that it takes to get medical records yeah. if i could solve that issue to where it's streamlined and you know there there wasn't a lot of problems or a lot of hiccups or Ton of cost involved. That for my practice area, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for my practice area, that's the one thing that I think I, I was I would solve is is the the process and the the time it takes to get medical
0: records. Yeah. No, it's it's not the not the first time I've heard that. It's it's amazing how much of an issue it can still be today in today's yeah. day and age, right? It's you know we think about you put somebody on the moon, you know, fifty some odd years ago, but you can't get your own medical records. It's it's still quite <laughs> difficult. Um, well, look, Ke- Kevin. I mean, it's been really great to hear about you know your journey, your your time in the service. You know how you know your time as a JAG attorney and sort of shaped you know the skill set that you've now brought to helping clients in need in your own, you know, your own community, um, and people who are dealing with, with, you know, difficult issues, not just a legal issue, but in their life. Uh, it's really been amazing to to hear about your journey. You know, I'd love to wrap up with, with two questions that we typically ask folks at the end, one lighthearted, the other is a bit, you know, forward-looking on the lighthearted side, favorite, do you have a favorite movie of all time?
1: <laughs> um, Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Friday fan. I don't
0: know if you guys watch Friday. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love that movie.
1: I, I, I love Friday. It makes me laugh every time.
0: So yeah. yeah. No, that's a good one. <laughs> um, all right. So if, if people could remember you know, one thing about you and your firm, what would you want them to remember?
1: Hmm. Um, that I actually had a purpose in building the firm to, and that was to, to make sure people had true representation when they were fighting you know, people who had plenty of money and plenty of resources to fight them back. Um, that, that's, that's the biggest purpose behind my firm, I think, is that I represent people who normally would not have a chance against corporations, against government institutions and agencies, who have unlimited resources to pretty much do as they please in the legal system and ultimately weed these individuals out. But the thing I take the greatest credit in is being able to to at least attempt to equal the playing field and give somebody an opportunity to have their voice heard and have their issues resolved in a just way. So, and I'm really passionate about that. So if people could remember, like I'm not, you know, my obviously we're business owners. We, we want to make money, but at the end of the day, I'm about equaling the the playing field for justice um, for my clients, and and I hope people truly understand that and remember that moving forward.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's, it's been it's been amazing to hear about the you know, the great work you do on the legal side, and then everything you're you're doing as an entrepreneur and, and business owner in your community. You know, where where can folks learn more about you, know, you and your firm, Kevin?
1: Yeah. So, um, so the firm name is Edwards Injury Law. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, we do cases all over North Carolina and obviously in, in, other, honestly in other states as well. Um, you can go to edwardsinjury.com and, um, you can look there and then on there will be all my social media icons, but you can also follow me. I'm usually most active on Instagram at, at the injury Esquire, at the injury ESQ. So, Got yep. it.
0: Great. <laughs> well, hey, th- thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you and appreciate you taking the time to share your story.
1: Thanks for having me. Looking back, looking forward to coming back in a few years to discuss you know, how everything turned out.
0: <laughs> yes, we will have to set a date for, for round two. I'm sure everybody's going to want to hear where you are at that point as well. So thanks again. Bye-bye.